You're listening to episode 30 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. My name's Andrew. And I am Eli, and we are diving into part two of our two-part mini-series on sports in the NC, in the North Caucasus. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, Andrew skillfully took us on a deep dive of uh, World Cup and football. Football. Football in (laughs) Russia. And actually, Andrew, before we get into part two, I just want to say a word about football in the North Caucasus in Russia. Because if, if you didn't hear that episode, listeners, you know, most of the world calls soccer football, which it really is, right? Um, but, yeah. and they call American football, American football. So what we call football, they call American football. What we call soccer, they call football. I don't know if I mentioned this, but there is, consider this a news minute, but there is an American football league in the North Caucasus. And the reason uh, I know this is I was in McDonald's. I think I may have told the story. I was in McDonald's one night meeting some uh, travelers, some Americans who were coming through. And there was a guy with a Baltimore Ravens jacket on. <laughs> not, not with the group, like standing there ordering. And he was big and he looked very, uh, a little like bit intimidating. Baltimore Raven. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, to my American friend, I'm like, did you see, look at that. Why, why does he have that? He's like, well, you got to go ask him. And this was when my Russian was really not very good. So yeah, I went up and he, he plays for the Stavropol Stones. And it's one of like, there's a whole bunch awesome of teams name. and there's this leagues. There's a whole league. And they've got, I mean, I found online through Facebook, VK and Instagram, there's, there's the Tauruses, there's the Admirals, there's the Bisons. Yes. Uh, is Stavropol the farthest southern city that has a team well, in Russia? There's, um, there's a post about the southern championships. So I don't know other cities. I'm looking for the Stones. That's, um, well, there's a team called the Stalingrad, Gorod Volgograd. So that's, that's Volgograd, yeah. Yeah, it's Volgograd. Um, I don't think these other ones show the cities right on. I have to do a little more. Krasnodar? Nice. That's the Bisons. Um, yeah, so I think poking around, we could probably find where some, yeah, where some more cities are. Um, but I don't know. The Bisons, people may not know that Bisons are one of the local species to the North yeah. Caucasus Mountains. There are Caucasus Bison. Mm-hmm. And they're slowly reintroducing, re-intro- yeah, yeah that's right. some different breeds of them, yeah, into the forest preserves here. So even if, you know, football happens not to be your thing, like some people I know, then take hope there are, you know, there is even American football here. I don't know how good it is. I, I haven't, like, I don't know where to catch a game, but um, I'll try. That, w- that would be fun. It would be really yeah. fun. Well, uh, listeners, real quick. Um, if you uh, haven't heard yet who the heck we are, this could be their first, that we could have first time listeners, Eli. It's always possible. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my name's Andrew and uh, this is my friend Eli. We are two Americans that live here in the North Caucasus Mountains of Russia. That's right. And uh, we really enjoy this region. It's really beautiful. Uh, it's really fascinating with the different cultures and uh, people. People are extremely friendly and hospitable. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to do our part and letting kind of be in a positive voice for this region to the rest of the world. Because there aren't a lot out there, particularly if you just kind of search the media. The media no. that does exist and the coverage uh, tends not to be very positive. So, But I was, Eli, I will say... I was I cannot remember what I was Google searching this week. Uh it was something for some podcast uh topic. But on page four, we came up. There you go, <laughs> man. <laughs> so we are working our way uh up up the leaderboard of Google. I've no doubt about that. Um so we're gonna get into part two of sports in the North Caucasus. Part one was football, but really part two should have been part one. It's the big one. It is the big kahuna. You could almost say it's the only one here, which is wrestling and martial arts in the North Caucasus. 
Now, we've talked about this some in different episodes, but we're going to really uh, dig into it today. Drill down. Uh, but before we start, before we start, I've got to, we got to start with a, a classic quiz. I got some good areas I'm going to grill Eli on here. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So, one of the things as I was learning, Eli, about um, wrestling and uh, some of these different kind of hand to hand combat sports, there are lots of weight classes, I learned. Yes. And I want to know, Eli, if you know what your weight class would be if you were a wrestler. Yeah, middle. So I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to list out the weight classes for you, not saying the weights and see if you can guess yourself. Oh, they have like they've got names, like titles. There's, oh, there are lots of names. Like peewees that, and like big kahunas and stuff like that. We're going to start uh with the skinniest and work our way up. Skinny is such a loaded word. Go on. All right. <laughs> The first is flyweight. <laughs> the second is bantamweight. Third is featherweight. Mm-hmm. Fourth is lightweight. Fifth is welterweight. Good grief. Sixth is middleweight. Oh, man. Seven is heavyweight. And then there's super heavyweight. And <laughs> there are actually <laughs> other, there's other categories as well, but those are kind of the basics. Well, I know what class I'm not. And that would be super heavyweight. And that would be... Now, this goes by height, right? So I have to kind of calculate what... what. It's all about weight. It's just pure it's weight. It's not weight, weight by pure height. Weight. Pure so, weight. So if yeah. you're seven feet tall and you weigh 130 pounds, or if you're five feet tall and you weigh 190 pounds, it just it doesn't matter about height. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, brother. So working down backwards, you've got super heavy, heavy, what was before, middle... Mm- Middleweight, welter then welter, then light, then light, then feather, bantam, and fly. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm pretty positive. I'm down in the bottom three. I'm not the bottom two. I'm not fly. I'm not wait feather fly. Fly, is <laughs> fly the bantam, and feather. Yeah, fly feather is, the bottom. is so insulting. <laughs> I think Listen, I would be people people win gold medals in the featherweight, so I don't think they're insulted. So okay, but this is any height of any person, so I gotta keep that in That's mind. That's right. It's keep all about the about weight. My height. Okay. Well, I I'm probably bantam. I don't know. I'd probably be feather or bantam. Good guess. You actually you fall right about on the edge of the lightweight category. Yeah, which is sixty five kilos uh-huh. or you're around 145 pounds. Oh, that uh, is it go wait a minute. Feather fly bantam feather light. So you're you're almost you're kind of on bantam, the feather, a little below light. the middle there. All right. Yeah. You're on the higher end of the skinny guys. So I'm in the light. I'm in the higher end of the skinny guys. Okay. Yeah. I weigh uh let's see. Right now I'm at 79 kilos, so around 175 pounds. So I am kind of right in between I, actually in Russia when I'm in Russia I fall down I lose weight because I walk around I'm so active here right so I, I'm more of a welterweight in Russia but in in America I gain weight so I'm more of a middleweight in America <laughs> so but my guess is like if you wherever you fall in your comfortable weight you're going to try and push down to be at the top of the one below you yes because guys are always losing weight cutting weight because I know that about uh, so wrestlers. Can, so if you are at the top of a range, you're in the worst possible boxers. position. Well, most people try to be right on the number. Yeah, right. it's kind of usually how it works. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, there are, these are categories for medals in the Olympics. And yeah, so they, I mean, the guys are the exact same size pretty much. Amazing. Yeah, okay, that's quiz one. Oh, so boy. we've established that. Uh, Andrew's a welterweight. Eli's a lightweight. I like welter. Quiz two. I like that, Andrew. Yes. Yo, it it sounds kind of mysterious. It sounds kind of like <laughs> an old mechanic shop to me. A welter. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Three, welding. Four, five, six. All right, Eli. In the Olympics right now, there are six forms of sport of hand-to-hand combat that they reward medals in. Hmm. 
How many of them can you guess? Okay. Hand-to-hand combat. Boxing. Karate. Boxing is right. This is shocking to me. Karate is being introduced as Olympic sport at the next Summer Olympics 2020. Oh, that's what I mean. That's where my mind is. That's sort of where I was going with that. Really? Uh, Japan. Okay. Yeah. No. So. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Um, Let me just list all of them I can think of karate, wrestling, boxing. I don't think mixed martial arts is in there. Mixed martial Um, arts is not. Yeah. Actual. Or yeah. like there are two, two grappling, two, two forms of wrestling, <laughs> two forms of wrestling. Can you break that down? Brazilian <laughs> no. and cricket. <laughs> um, wrestling, mud wrestling and land wrestling. <laughs> um, all right. So two forms of wrestling. I'll just count that as two. Uh, boxing. I don't think I think like grappling is not. I think I want to say jujitsu. Um, or I like no, I'll, I'll but just, you're on the right track. Okay, keep going with that. Aikido, but that seems like it's a little too nope. fringe. Um, uh, but taekwondo is kicking. Taekwondo is one. All right, you said hand to hand. Just saying. Okay, I feel like cage fighting is probably not in there. Um. <laughs> so how many do I have? Four. Is Taekwondo not hand to hand? Taekwondo. I don't know if it's not. I'm sure it is hand to hand, but they their the reputation in my mind is that it's primarily like lower body and kicking. But I'm sure it's a hand. Yeah, I mean it's gotcha. a combat sport, so whatever. I'm showing my ignorance here. No, yeah, you're the one showing your ignorance. That's right, Andrew. All right, and <laughs> uh, how many do I have? Four. How about some hints? I'm gonna like. Uh, arm wrestling. There's one more martial arts type sport. No, you know, and one actually is not a. I I I misspoke. It's kind of in the strongman category, but there's actually five hand to hand. So okay, okay, then I'm one off. And a martial arts, the other one is. Um, okay, let me have it. Let's not waste our listeners' time. Judo. Ah, judo. And That's then a cool sport. So the two forms of wrestling are. Freestyle wrestling and Greco-Roman wrestling. I got the Grecan thing. I said Grecan. It's in the tape. <laughs> then uh, judo, boxing, taekwondo, and then this is not hand-to-hand combat, but I included it in there, weightlifting. Yeah, that is nowhere near hand-to-hand combat, and I resent you for including It's true. It. But there are there are <laughs> Kafka's, Caucasus guys who uh, win medals. Right. In that. That's why I included it. No, I hear that. Yeah, so... Hey, good guesses. Thanks. All right. So listeners, we're going to, we're going to frame this conversation about wrestling and martial arts in the North Caucasus through the lens of a Malcolm Gladwell book called Outliers. Definitely heard of that book. It's really fascinating book. I've read it. It was the kind of book that was so popular. I felt like I'd read it after all the people explained it to me. I mean, right, it's right. not the same. I know yeah, it, same. it was very, um, it, I'm assuming New York Times bestseller. He, a lot of his books, Malcolm Gladwell's, have gotten really popular. He basically, he writes books that he backs up with a lot of solid research and statistics, but he tells lots of stories, and um, he's a pretty winsome writer. Yeah. And he, he kind of brings out these uh, points from the research and the stories that maybe hadn't been told before. Mm-hmm. Um, so Outliers, the subtitle is called The Story of Success. And a quick description is, it's about people who achieve extraordinary success in a variety of fields and the complex factors which play a role in that success. Right. Are we in that book? Not yet. <laughs> Caucus Talk has not made it uh, into the revised edition yet. Well, how are you going to tie outliers into... Oh, I see where we're going with this. The outliers are like the super beef dudes of the Caucasus. Yeah, and how they and how people achieve that success. So before I get into basically Gladwell's um, kind of theory for how people are really successful, I want to read, you listeners, I did some research on uh, Olympic medals. And in these sports we just went through, the hand-to-hand combat sports, and 
how many medals that people from the North Caucasus and the Caucasus in general have won in these sports, in the Olympics. Mm. So uh, the Olympics has been going since 1904. And from what I could tell in the research, it was uh, the late 40s, early 1950s that the Soviet Union started participating. Um, so from then, uh, we have like down to the exact number of medals that uh, Caucasians have won in these sports. So mm-hmm. the country of Georgia has had 78 medals won in these sports of freestyle wrestling, Greco-Roman uh-huh, wrestling. Hand-to-hand, whatever. Yeah, judo, boxing, weightlifting, taekwondo. 78 uh-huh. medals from the country of Georgia. That's the South Caucasus. Dagestan has won 36 medals. It, just by itself, just the Republic of Dagestan. Okay. So Dagestan, the Republic has no medals, but Dagestani people have won oh, these medals, okay. for, either it. for Russia, the, the Soviet Union, or other countries. Got it. Armenians have won 35 medals. Mm-hmm. Ossetians have won 30 medals. Azerbaijanis have won 25 medals. And then we get into the smaller uh, ethnicities at this point, but Chechens have won 10 medals. Circassians or Kabardines have won eight. Ingush have won five. And Bolkar Karachai have won three. So basically, that may not sound that impressive or special, but if you add all those up, uh, people from the Caucasus, the North Caucasus and the South Caucasus, have won in the last basically 70 years 230 medals just in these sports. Um, That's a lot. It, it would be completely unrivaled. If the Caucasus was its own country, Right, they would be by far the, the top medal-producing, Olympic medal-producing country in the world Wow, in these sports. Yeah, and of course, like, uh, Soviet Union and Russia are the primary countries that these medals were won for, but there are a a lot of other countries that Mm -hmm. it's basically so competitive in Russia uh, and even in Georgia or Azerbaijan to get a place on the national team in these sports that these guys are going to other countries, taking citizenship so they can compete for a medal for those countries and have a good chance to win one. Cause it's so competitive here. Didn't they get some caucuses guy recently? Canada, Canada is one of, I counted 14 different countries who has won a medal because a person from the Caucasus competed for them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So basically the, the South and the North Caucasus are like a talent factory, just pumping out guys that are literally the best in the world in freestyle wrestling, Greco Roman wrestling, judo, boxing. And weightlifting. Yeah, it's you know, incredible. I know we've referenced this uh, Levison Woods series several times, the four-part documentary of him of uh, from Russia to Iran walking the Caucasus. Right. Um, but when he's in Dagestan, he gets, I think it's Dagestan, he's invited into a, a <laughs> villager's home, and he meets the guys. Like, as he's sitting there, the family the news spreads that there's a visitor and people start trickling in and he's sort of like, Oh, more and more people are coming. And one of the sons is like a local wrestling champion. And so just like on the spot sees this, you know, friend, like he's really friendly. He's like, Oh, let's wrestle. <laughs> Challenge your, 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 the guest you have over for tea huh. to like wrestle you in the living room. It was a great, that was a great, great scene. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that would go over very well here. <laughs> yeah, and you know he went easy on him too. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So let's dive into why is this the case? And you know, there especially these these are just the we're just talking about the events in the Olympics. Um right now, uh all over the world, uh MMA, mixed martial arts, is becoming so popular. Uh and uh, including the United States. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these uh, guys, especially from Dagestan, are becoming really successful in the MMA world, including the most people would say the top MMA fighter in the world, uh, Norabib Magomedov, who's Dagestani. Um, well, while you get your answers ready for why this is so the case in the Caucasus, I will tell you the real answers 
as a local might tell you them. I'll just give you the top three. Number one, it is the uh, mountain air. <laughs> number two, it is the mountain herbs. And number three, it is the mineral water. And yes, that, that's it. I mean, don't you think they would like start there? You, I think you would get a combination of those answers pretty consistently. Pretty consistent. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, and the. But anyway, so what is? What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh, adding your expertise in this conversation, uh, Eli. Uh, local, local flavor, local flavor. That's, that's what we're here for. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's. Uh, go back a little here. Malcolm Gladwell says in the book Outliers, um, there's basically from all his research, there are three factors to uh, people being extraordinarily successful at something. The first is meaningful hard work. So this is more than just saying like, I worked really hard. He basically, this is probably what he's most well known for. It's called like the law of 10,000 hours. But uh, Gladwell says anybody who is at the top of their field has typically put in 10,000 hours of quality practice and work in that field. So Which, if you break if that down, yes. that's a huge number. Yes. Cause it's sort of like, okay, that sounds great. What does that mean? What does to that someone mean? Like right. Me. right. That's basically, yeah, it's 10 hours or it's 10 years of four hours a day of working at something consistently. Yeah. So uh, 10,000 sounds impossible when you break it down like that. I mean, you think of famous athletes or musicians or anybody really in the arts, they put those kind of hours in, especially people who work really hard at their jobs. Like, yeah, that that's attainable. So meaningful hard work is the first one. Um, The second is opportunity or luck. And Mm. basically what, Gladwell is saying here is it was more than just hard work. It was either being uh, in the right place at the right time uh, where you were given access to opportunities to develop that hard work of talent you already sure. had. Yes. Um, so I actually, I want to read a story or I just want to give an example of that. This is so fascinating from the book. Um, he gives an example of, let's see here. It's about the best hockey players, professional hockey players in the United States. Where's that and dog I, sound coming from? That is coming from outside my window. Sorry about that. That's okay. Outside the studio window. Sorry. Is this an ebook uh, and that you're scrolling? I'm just, I'm reading here from a webpage, but Gladwell talks about how a staggering proportion of professional hockey players are born January to March with those born later in the year growing less and less frequent. Why is this? They get birthday presents related to the winter. <laughs> Good guess. Okay. But in school, the cutoff for team selection is January 1st. Meaning that kids who are born early in the year can be up to a year older than those born later in the year. So when you're very young, that kind of difference is huge in terms of physical maturity. But the effect is cumulative. Because the January to March kids do well early, from the very beginning, they're put on A teams, given more coaching and more hours of practice, which, and then that basically gets them to that 10,000 hour mark. Isn't that fascinating? I thought my birthday guest was really good. <laughs> yeah, but like that is, it doesn't, it has less to do with work or it has more to do with the work was, the opportunity for work was given sure. from the timing of the birth, you know? Yep. And so there's, there's factors like this that kind of catapult the meaningful hard work. And then the last factor Gladwell says is cultural legacy. Uh, Values passed down from generation to generation. This and is basically, huge. Yeah, what he's saying here is, you know, a lot of people say, I picked myself up by the bootstraps. Nobody helped me. I did it all on my own. And he's basically saying, nobody does it on their own. Nobody does it on their own. It's not in a vacuum. It's, there's a lot of efforts by other people, especially parents, 
that can cultivate a successful person like that. And you know what I think we overlook? I, as an American, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I do that usually without any preface, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, I think there's a, a really heavy emphasis on parenting in American culture because I'm, I'm in that zone, so I'm tuned into that. It's sort of like, how do you parent? What kind of parent? Blah, 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 blah. And I, I, yep. my sense is that there's this underlying or kind of overarching message or assumption that kind of after at, at or equal or around, you know, there's the child's makeup and then there's the parenting and how you parent and what you put your kid into and so on and so forth is sort of, sort of ultimate, um, right. you know, or one of the top things. But I, I think it's sort of tunnel vision and we don't realize that we are in a stream of cultural heritage, just like you're saying, a legacy. I like that word, something like we're in a current and the things that we even choose from are very culturally defined in a historical moment. Um, not to mention demographics and yeah. socioeconomic. And so even while we think, oh, what am I going to do? Da, 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 it's like we're still so shaped by what's handed down to us by generations before, even in a very generationally detached culture and, like ours. Yeah, like you're saying, that I think is connected not just to cultural legacy, but opportunity that one generation opens for the next. Yeah. I mean, um, Andrew, you've probably done okay. this. If, if, have, have you been to like a local's house and they bring out their trophies or their uh, diplomas. Have you, I mean, has yeah. that ever happened last to you? Last month. Last month. <laughs> I mean, this is something Americans yep. would never do. Almost never. I mean, Americans is too big of a term, but I feel like maybe certain subsets, you know, the will 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 do this even if they're on the wall. Like in for me to put a diploma on the wall, I feel like people would come in and be like, oh, "That's kind of pretentious." You know, like, oh, look, you know, (laughs) but even there, it's like, okay, fine. But in, you go to some locals houses and they take you into like the trophy room. I mean, I've been to a a local house where there's like, it's sort of its own sitting room and it's just all the, the children's and families achievements. And it's just pouring out kind of a shouting out their, their values and this cultural legacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And they, uh, it never feels, uh, pretentious to me when it's been done. Like it's no, here it doesn't. There's probably been a time it doesn't. I think with the, I think with the older folks doing it, it's, it done in a humble way. There's been a time where maybe younger folks have done it or maybe seemed a bit pretentious, but most of the time, yeah, it seems very sincere. Again, I think it is totally sincere in that setting. Uh, I mean, it feels more pretentious on yeah. this side, on the U.S. side. Right, right. Yeah. So, Eli, I just want me and you, let's go through Gladwell's three reasons here. And just from our experience, I mean, I've definitely done some reading on this, but I think we can kind of help give our listeners like an understanding of sure. how these three reasons, meaningful hard work, opportunity, and cultural legacy, how they play out specifically in regards to why are there so many successful, talented uh, wrestlers, okay. um, judo, right. you know, MMA, et cetera, coming out of the North right. Caucasus and the South Caucasus? I so, can think of like three anecdotes off the top of my head. <laughs> Do you want to direct it a bit or should I get ready. fire one off? Well, let's start with, uh, I think we should start with opportunity. Okay. Um, or luck. Like, what is it about uh, the place of the Caucasus? timing um that empowers these guys to become so extraordinary in in wrestling and these other fields perhaps one contributing factor is the isolation relative isolation of some of the people groups so that if there's something that they specialize in it's going to be their thing or it's going to be known and it's going right. to be in the air that you breathe and in the water that you drink so i haven't spent a lot of time in mountain villages but i know that's where a lot of these guys come from i mean we've mentioned yeah. kind of a comical it's not comical but a different example of tightrope walking which is sort of one of the national pastimes in dagestan and so right. it's just what's happening it, it happens at the cultural gatherings, the family gatherings, well, probably the same with uh, some of these martial arts. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good. And like some of these gold medal Olympic winners, they're literally from some of the most remote villages in Dagestan. I mean, they're from the middle of nowhere. Right. They're basically is, that is the thing they do. That's there. the entertainment. So like, that's the activity. That's it. Yeah. There aren't, there isn't like, all right, so do you want to play baseball, American football, basketball, uh, wrestling? Or soccer, t- or karate, you know, or tennis. Right. Th- this is what guys do. Uh, so I think that is a big factor for sure, that isolation. And then and that the definitely snowballs because, yeah, and I think people look then, are, they're, they're looking to develop talent. And if it's if there's only one or two things that your village, your people, your town, whatever does, then that's going to kind of focus that those opportunities. Right. It's interesting when you look at Dagestan, North Ossetia, and Georgia. Those are very different parts of the Caucasus. Like they're different as far as religion. Like most Dagestanis are Muslim. Uh, Assetians, they kind of have their own uh, kind of religion that's kind of mixed with Christianity. And then uh, Georgians are uh, Christian Orthodox. So religions are different. But what do these places have in common that's producing such amazing results? I think it's the mountains. Like, I think that's a big factor is because the entire, all of these, Every part of the Caucasus Mountains is producing really good results, including Armenia, which is also a d- different culture. So you um, think, and so the, I th- mean, the influence of the actual topography, kind of like our Russian friends from Siberia were talking about. Yeah, I think there's something there. I, I think you can't ignore that. There, there's something about this part of the world and the mountains are a big part of it. It's you know? the mountain air. I said that at the beginning. <laughs> it's the mountain air <laughs> and the water and the honey. Yeah, I think that's, there's got to be something to that. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is probably connected to the cultural legacy a, a bit, but like historically, uh, Caucasus, men were all, I mean, they're mountain men. They were strong warriors. They grew up tough outside. Um, I mean, often having to defend their families and their villages from invaders or, you know, whoever. And that's kind of the history of the Caucasus is war. And that's the historical reputation of Caucasus men is these warriors riding on a horse, uh, the jigit tough yeah 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 um so i think without the mountains that wouldn't have been the case you know um so yeah i think there's definitely some connection there too so and i think even like it's looking at the history of it um the georgians ascetians and dagestani specifically it's not like all this happened in the last 20 years. Sure. Uh, if, if, if you just look at the like years that Olympic medals were won, they were all winning Olympic medals in the 1950s and 1960s. Right, when they Specifically started. from those three uh-huh. just competing, you know? Right, so that, right. like, that's been there a long time. Um, so it clearly is something that's been handed down from generation to generation. Cool. Well, that goes to the yeah. cultural legacy point. Yes. I mean, I've had Dagestani friends come over and meet my children. And as my kids walk down the little hall in our apartment, they're looking at their figures, at their body types. <laughs> and they're, they point to one son. It's like, oh, look at, the, look at the slope of his shoulder. He'll be good at wrestling. Wow. And look at this other one. He's he's leaner. Uh, he'd be better at boxing. <laughs> and like that was it. It's like the, he, these are your choices, and and they just like walked in the door with that. You know what I mean? It wasn't deep into some long conversation, yeah. and I'm asking what they thought. They just sort of came in and wow. saw it, 
So if you're walking around with that mindset, you know, if, if all you've got a hammer, then all, you know, the world is a nail kind of thing. You know, if you're, if guys do three sports and you see, you know, you're kind of constantly plugging people in your mind into one of those sports, that's, that's going to heavily influence the young men, the boys and young men in a right. family and a society. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, uh, I think it was episode 10 or 11 where we talked about who is the Caucasus man? What is mm, he like? Mm-hmm. But I think these, <laughs> these examples of success and wrestling and boxing and weightlifting and judo, this represents what for many a Caucasus man should be like. Strong. Um, successful, disciplined. Um, the the strength aspect is a reflection of the character, which is interesting to me. Having just a few episodes ago uh, done our Les Ginka uh, mini series and talking right. about that dance, I I would say if you ask an average high schooler or something, it's like, what are you into? And there's, it's sort of like the buffet thing. Like, well, I'm into this or I'm into that. Or like, he's an arts person. He's a sports guy. You know, he's really yep. into books and learning and they're kind of separate domains. Les Ginka is another way of expressing and reinforcing the same values you're talking about in wrestling or mixed martial arts or boxing yeah. for men, let's say. You know, it's, it's the same thing. Yes. It's just a different angle or outlet for that. It's all integrated. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the character is being uh, expressed, the, the ingenuity, the strength, the prowess, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And like, even, <laughs> I mean, this might sound funny to some of you listeners, but most Caucasus men would say, if you grow up here, fighting is part of being a boy and a man. Like, it's just, there's no other way to say it except that fighting is a part of the culture. So, like, and especially, especially yes. in Dagestan, they tell you, like, if you grow up here, you have to fight. That's part of what it is to be a man. And I've had a lot of people tell me stories now, <laughs> from their childhood about that. Now, let, let me ask our listeners, uh, this is a, what would you do in this situation? So you send your four-year-old to kindergarten, three-year-old, four-year-old, boy, and he gets popped in the head by a bigger kid. Now, in the U.S., we are on red alert to bullying. (laughs) There's verbal bullying. There's digital bullying. There's, and of course, actual bullying. Physical, yeah. It's an actual thing, and it's an actual issue, and an actual problem. Uh, our solutions to that in the U.S. could not be so. So let me just cut to it. So you find out about this not from your son, and you talk to him. It's like, hey, someone so hit you. It's like, yeah, it made me sad. It hurt. Uh, okay. Well, what did you do? Well, I hit him back. Okay. Why did you do that? Let's find out. Well, my teacher told me to. <laughs> okay. Wow. So this is a whole new ball of wax. It's not like, and I will be the first to admit, I do not have a clear, I don't have a clear sense about this. Cause half of me is like, of course you hit him back. If you're hit, you know, you stand up for yourself, you know, you're not you're not provoking, you're defending yourself and so on and so forth. But then the other half of me is like, there's something to taking it on the chin and, and keeping you remaining dignified and so on and so forth. And like, right. You know, and, and, and killing them with kindness and that sort of thing. And here it's like, no, you, you just, you just clobber them. Yeah. Uh, That may be over, oversimplified, but there is no other option here. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Let's so start that, a Facebook conversation about it. I'm going to go online and post. <laughs> it People have, like you said, especially in the parenting world, people have such strong opinions about this. But like, there basically is only one opinion here, and it's you fight it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's really ingrained. Um, 
I just, I come back to like, it's so fascinating to me. It's really interesting. Uh, For some reason, Dagestan is the main part of the Caucasus that's gotten a lot of press for like its wrestling culture and um, kind of the results it's producing around the world. But the entire Caucasus is producing uh, these kind of guys, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, especially Georgia, um, North Ossetia. I think in Dagestan, it's because in the mixed martial arts world, that's, they've got a lot of guys that are doing successful. Um, but it, the, across the entire Caucasus, there are those shared values, even from different religions and cultures, right. that this, this is what a, a man should be like. And it's yeah. acceptable. It's understood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting as an outsider looking in, trying to navigate those yeah, waters. I'll put that. It's a good, lightly. good conversation. Um, mm-hmm. So then the third factor is, so we talked about the opportunity uh, where kind of work and talent can go to the next level, then cultural legacy. And then the third factor is meaningful hard work or literally putting in 10,000 hours of practice a day. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. breaks down the 10 years of four hours a day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so this makes sense. I mean, basically from everything I read at age, like four or five or six boys join wrestling clubs and it's, it's fascinating. I hadn't thought about this, but pretty much everybody can do it. Even if you're from a really poor family, because the only thing you need is like the wrestling singlet and the shoes and that's it. And you probably can get a hand-me-down. Yeah. And so think about it. If, if every guy is doing it from age five or six, by the time you, know, you graduate even high school, most of them have likely put in 10,000 hours already Whoa. at that point. Isn't That's that crazy? Pretty cra- That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And so, I mean, think of how probably in every single Dagestani village, like think of how fierce the competition is just in those small settings kind of a different world yeah it's so different um but you know it's like i mean i had a romanian piano teacher so she grew up in the soviet union mm. and she was just ruthless with me about hard work wow she would just and you know and she she would Kind of like to other people, it's like, oh, he's one of my top students. And to me, like, <laughs> she wouldn't berate me verbally, but she would definitely <laughs> tell me one of her quotes was, I need 1% talent, 99% hard work. That is a great quote. And she got more out of me. I mean, I was just talking about this with my wife about how we grow up with kind of love-hate relationships with those who are hard on us. Right. To, to get the best out of us who see that in us. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, anyone who's experienced that knows it, you know? Yeah. I think that you bring up a good point of the, the coach, the teacher has a really important role that that's another thing. I think parents are looking for that authority figure who can instill discipline values and produce those kind of results in a person. Right. So Andrew, let me ask your advice. So I have three sons. You have one. Each of us has a son that's an infant. Um, notwithstanding their size, I, I just want to say I'm gunning for my youngest son to be in the uh, super heavyweight class. <laughs> he's he's on it, well on his way. <laughs> he's tracking. He's like five months old and 22 pounds or something. Anyway, um, so but with my grade school boys, like, would you put your sons? There's sort of two ways to go. I think as a foreigner, one is to is to skirt the whole issue and like do something different and kind of look on with admiration and, but be an outsider as it relates to some of these core sports or to like get into the fray. Like, would you put your kids in wrestling or maybe not maybe boxing or like uh, martial arts classes of some sort? Listeners, what do you think? No, no, I'm asking you, Andrew. (laughs) Yeah. Write in (laughs) with your answers. I mean, obviously it's easier to say something than have to do it with your kids, you know? But I mean, I think I tend to want my kids to be pretty involved with what other kids their age are doing. And so 
I mean, that probably would not even cross my mind if we were in the States right now. But <laughs> To put your kids in, in boxing class? No, yeah. <laughs> but here, like, obviously I would consider it, you know, um, just for him to be able to fend for himself. I know. Um, good food for thought. We shouldn't have we shouldn't have sent him to his little kids soccer class. We should have sent him to a like kids boxing class. Listeners, we'll keep you posted on Eli's parenting decisions in regards to raising his kids as Caucasus men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um man, this is good. Yeah. So uh You know what else I see? I'm just gonna chime in with this while we're on it. Yes. Yeah. I've said this before, but everywhere all the time, there are dudes doing pull-ups in the parks. And I mean college age, high school age, working age. I mean, it's not just that they're out running and stuff. They're doing like pull-ups and lots of them, push-ups and lots of them. So in terms of the, the cultural legacy and the cultural air that you breathe, it is very normal to be a very fit person. Like, Yeah, guys are ripped. Ripped, yeah. I mean, like that guy that we featured a while ago who walked six miles on his hands. He was 53. Yeah, that, that was awesome. You know, that kind of thing. So I got to do some more pull-ups, like any pull-ups. <laughs> so I want to drive home again just how dominant it, it really is here in the North Caucasus and in the entire Caucasus on the world scene with wrestling, boxing, these hand-to-hand sports. So I'm quoting from an article we're going to link in the show notes. Listen to this. Of the 37 Olympic medals the Russian team has won since 2000, wrestlers from the North Caucasus were responsible for 29 of them. The trend is getting stronger. North Caucasians won five of the nine Russian medals in 2000, six of nine in 2004, all 10 in 2008, and eight of nine in 2012. Whoa. In point of fact, for the London Olympics, the freestyle team didn't include, include a single wrestler of non-Caucasian descent. What? Isn't that crazy? So, like, when you're watching as an outsider, you just see the Russian flag and hear that, oh, Russia won. Right. But you're not thinking, wait, what's their actually their nationality? Right. You know? Who, right. And, uh, I mean... Here's here's a couple examples. I'm just scrolling through some of the research I did here. Um, 2008, this is in Greco-Roman wrestling. This, so this was in Beijing Olympics. Uh, in the bantamweight division, that's the, the skinny guys, uh, the gold medal went to an English guy. Mm-hmm. The silver medal went to an Azerbaijani guy. Mm-hmm. And the bronze medal went to an Armenian. So they... They completely swept the stage. The Caucasus did, but you don't see Caucasus on the right, right, right stage, you know. And then uh, let me let me find a couple others here. Um, I mean, here's one. There was <laughs> this is great heavyweight division in the 2016 Olympics in in uh, Rio de Janeiro of freestyle wrestling. The silver medal went to an Ossetian who was competing for Azerbaijan. And then there were two bronze medals. One went to a Dagestani competing for Uzbekistan. Mm-hmm. And another bronze medal went to a Chechen who was competing for Romania. What? <laughs> yeah, so three countries won medals, but they were all won by guys from the Caucasus. That's such a revealing insight. I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Romania won. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So anyways, um, I mean, you can you can um, accurately say without exaggerating, the Caucasus is unrivaled the top talent factory in the world for hand-to-hand combat sports. It's not even close. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's really wow. cool. The things you never knew, you never knew. Right. Um, so, anyways... Probably, I'm assuming this trend's just going to continue. And as like MMA and the UFC gets more popular in the West, there's going to be other Dagestani or Setian or Georgian guys who become big household names, you know? Um, Let me ask you a personal question. Do you like watching MMA? 
Uh, I don't watch it. I watch the highlights sometimes of like the big names. It's pretty vicious. I mean, those guys, that's just straight up fighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a little barbaric. There you have it, listeners. There is <laughs> part two of sports in the North Caucasus. Sorry. I love your endings. It's like, uh, it's so self-satisfied, but not in a, not in a bad way. It's like, uh, ah, that was it. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, I think, I don't know if you said this already, but um, uh, we do a lot of these topics because you listeners write in with specific requests. This is actually going to be released like this, isn't it? <laughs> but you listeners actually write in with specific requests, and, and some of you have, have asked it, you know, hear about the situation of sports in, in the North Caucasus. And that's why we're doing this. So keep keep writing in and keep um, yeah. Yeah, making those requests because we, we hear you. Our fount of topics may run dry, but with your help, Never. with your help, with our we can carry this on into the 2020s. <laughs> Woo, you heard it here first. All right, the 2020s. Well, we want to hear from you before then. Don't forget about our state-of-the-art Facebook page, yes. facebook.com slash caucus talk. Like us, love us, whatever you need to do there to make our profits soar through the roof. Uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. We don't, I'm laughing because that's a minute. joke. <laughs> um, but if and if you're not on Facebook, don't forget to uh, write us at podcast at caucus talk dot com. Oh. Yeah, that's the, that was that is the my actual typewriter. Um, that was sweet. That's for those of you who want to email because <laughs> it's about and on par. for for snail mail. Just write on the envelope, Caucus Talk, Russia. Russia. <laughs> It'll come and right to us. <laughs> Pony Express will make sure they get it to us in a timely uh, fashion. We'll see the shredder before it's <laughs> like it saw the. Why day. is all our why is all our mail opened every time <laughs> I get it? <laughs> yeah, no, but we have been getting great correspondence, so thanks for that. We do love hearing from you. We love uh, that you listen. We're so thankful. Yeah. So uh, this was episode thirty of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. We will see you when you get here. Welterweights, I'm waiting for you. Yeah.